So this lesson is, uh, we did challah last week. It was really, last month, it was super fun. And this lesson is on prayer. And um, you're coming? Sandrine, you're joining us. Sandrine, come sit next to me. It will be easier, no? Uh, no, you want to do it? Okay, fine. Okay. So sit right here. So I remember you're here. Okay. So um, I just, there's a poem that I found that I liked. Um, maybe some of you have heard it. I'm just going to start with it. Okay. I got up early one morning and rushed right into the day. I had so much to accomplish that I didn't have time to pray. Problems just tumbled about me and heavier came each task. Why doesn't God help me? I wondered. He answered, you didn't ask. I wanted to see joy and beauty, but the day toiled on gray and bleak. I wondered why God didn't show me. He said, but you didn't seek. I tried to come into God's presence. I used all my keys at the lock. God gently and lovingly chided, my child, you didn't knock. I woke up early this morning and paused before entering the day. I had so much to accomplish that I had to take time to pray. Pray. Okay. So, um, I, you know, in my younger years, I, I prayed cause I had to, right. I went to school and there was prayer time in school and everybody had to pray and it was mandatory. And then, um, I prayed sometimes if my mother reminded me to, or if I was, you know, in the mood or if I took it upon myself and then I, you know, prayed here and there, and I'm talking about like from a C door, you know, um, and then I would pray here and there some prayers, but then I, you know, my ADD would get to me and I'd start like folding laundry or organizing things like not really like I wasn't aligned. Like I wasn't taking the time to pray. Why, why wouldn't I be giving it? Like, I, I guess there's a piece of us, a part of all of us that sometimes wonders like, does it work? Is it necessary? You know, what, what am I doing with the prayer? Um, so does anybody here pray from a prayer book or just in their hearts or in their minds on a daily basis? And, um, and why let's, let's just start with that. Is there anyone here that is connected to prayer on a, um, just on a personal level? Don't be shy. I talk to Hashem. You talk to Hashem. Okay. Yeah. I also do Tehillim. You do Tehillim. Okay. You do Psalms. That's great. Okay. Sandrine, I know you come to school every Shabbos. So. <laughs> yes. And I do every day. You do every day. Okay. Sandrine's here telling me so you pray everything every day. Modani, you say the morning prayer. I do that. You do that. Okay. okay. I talk to my, my parents and, uh, in the car. You talk to your parents? When I'm in the car. So that's your form of like prayer. It kind of is, yes. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Absolutely. Tell them it's part of prayer. Okay. So, um, all right. So Americans going to synagogue is kind of like the backdrop of American prayer, right? In this country, where where do we see prayer? We we have a synagogue, and um, and prayer is very much a part of Jewish identity in America as it is connected to a synagogue. And how often do, Amer do the majority of Americans go to shul? Twice a year, three times a year, four times a year, a bar mitzvah here, there, right? So, um, so we have to, we're going to talk about like 
the emphasis of what, what we view as prayer, just as a general rule, but I'm going to start with two jokes. Okay. So there's a little boy and he's in shul and he's standing in front of that big wall that has all the plaques and all the light bulbs. And it has an American flag actually next to many, 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 many names. And he's reading them and he's concentrating Irving, the son of Henry and, um, you know, Barbara, the daughter of Clara, and he's just going, you know, he's really trying to read them. And he says to the, um, the rabbi says, what you doing there, son? He's like, you know, I'm just trying to read the names. I'm wondering what it represents. So the rabbi said, oh, these are very, very important people. You see all those flags. These are all people who died in service. So the kid says, which one? Rosh Hashanah or Yom Kippur? <laughs> Okay, um, so there's a rabbi and he's standing in front of his shul and it's Yom Kippur and he's giving his rousing, you know, request for the donation and request to come back and get involved. And he says, you know, we are I like we're in the army of Hashem and I am the general and I want it. You know, you guys have to really take part in the army and you have to be more involved in this in this project. And so as he's leaving, you know. He's saying goodbye to everybody. And there's one old man and he says, did you hear my, my, my address? Like we're, we're, we're part of this army. You need to join. He says, yeah, yeah, Rabbi, I'm part of the army. I'm just part of the reserves. <laughs> okay. So are you part of the army? Are you part of the reserves? Are you at services? Um, so how was your experience of prayer? Like, does anyone want to share what your experience, or do you think that the American experience of prayer is meaningful? Is it just social? Like, how have we been kind of set up as American Jews to process what prayer is? I guess, could we, could we talk about that for a minute? Adira, someone here is going to say something. Yeah, um, it depends on how you were introduced. Were you forced to do it? Were you put on the spot and almost embarrassed? Or were you in, were you inspired that you know, any little thing you do is plenty? Okay, so so someone so Adira saying like were you forced to pray? Were you were you shamed to pray? Like what was your experience is gonna kind of inform what you feel about prayer. Um, anyone else have any anything to say? Jolie, go ahead. Unmute myself. Yeah. So I think um, the way that it it that I got more involved in prayer was when I was in Hebrew school. They taught us all the prayers, and then we had our we did our own services. And I think that really inspired me. And everyone really wanted to be more involved because they understood it and they were participants. And I think that's a big thing is understanding and being becoming a participant in that. And then I went to a Jewish summer camp, and the same thing. We became participants in part of it. And so when you understand you're more of a participant, you're not just sitting back, just going, you know, getting bored. I found that that really helped me a lot to, to be more involved in it and, and to learn all the prayers and understand more what they meant. So that was helpful for me. Okay. So it was the involvement. It was owning it. It was the social piece of it. It's like, we're doing this together as a community. Um, anything else? You know, I'm, I'm a word person. I write and I'm wrestling with words all day. One thing that I have found that's unlocked things for me in terms of prayer is chant and um, and nigunin, okay, that are more on the wordless side, and where there's singing involved, that really 
helps me transcend words and get to a higher place. So I really do enjoy that. Okay, that's beautiful. So you like the, um, just, sorry, I'm just trying to move this. Okay, okay. so you like being able to participate and it, it, it stirs you, it moves you. Yes. The prayer, okay. So, um, okay. Um, hello, welcome to everybody who's joined. Just wanted to say hello. I don't have everybody on my screen, but okay. So, um, so prayer can be meaningful if you're participatory, if there are songs that you recognize, um, if you, you know, ideally in prayer, we're introspective, ideally um, we feel purpose in the prayer, right? We ideally we're in a, a safe space, in a place where we feel like we could sing those songs or we can, or even in our heads, we can sing them. Ideally, it's, it's a, an environment that makes us feel like there's an ambiance, um, but for prayer, so it's quiet, maybe um, we can open our heart, um, we can open our soul, we could, you know, our, our, often our, our thoughts are going to, we're going to have a meditation at the end of this, but often our thoughts are traveling during prayer, like we're, they're always going to, not always, but like for myself, I could be davening and thinking about 10 different things and meditation has really taught me how to pull my mind back, pull my mind back, notice what's happening, notice, you know, that my thoughts are, 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 are scrambling to go somewhere else and it's okay. I can just pull it back. And I think we know so much more today about mindfulness that I'm not, you know, I'm not judging myself and you know, what's the point of prayer anyway, I can't concentrate, but it's, it's okay. Like I can just watch the process and, and come back into myself. Um, so, um, or maybe, you know, you don't pray because you feel like it's irrelevant or you're disconnected and you don't think that prayer has any purpose in your life. I mean, safe to say that everyone here has heard of prayer. Yes. Would we say that? Okay. So, so I'm hoping this class kind of moves things together because everybody here has heard of prayer. Not many of us are praying. So hopefully something that we learned today could make it more meaningful that it's relevant to us. And we feel like prayer is something that we want to incorporate at some point or at, during the day or the week or, you know, in our life. Okay. Um, so why do we pray? Anyone want to give a guess why we pray? To be connected. Um, Sandrine said to be connected to, to be connected to God. Okay. Um, Anyone want to add why we pray to be connected to God? Like a gift, like Mincha would be like a gift, like a gift to Hashem. Okay, a gift to Hashem. We're offering something to Hashem. We're offering, we're carving out a piece of our day and saying like, God, we're giving this to you. I am connecting with you. It's like we take, make one-on-one -on -one time with our children. Like I'm, this is your time, our time together. Okay, Um the brachas that we do give thanks all the time. Okay. Gratitude. Okay. Fine. Connection, gratitude, meaning, um, intention. Maybe we want to set our intention for the day and prayer can help us set our intention. Maybe we want to ground ourselves and align ourselves with who we are. Like, this is how I start my day. Um, a focus, um, because we're told to, okay. Cause it's a mitzvah from Hashem. That's right. It says, um, um, avoda shabalev. Um, prayer is the is the work of the heart. That's where where prayer comes from. Okay, so um, beliefs that make it easier or harder to pray. We're going to go to page. Um, let's see. And then I'm going to share. 
Yeah. Let me just um, move my control thing here a little bit. Okay. Um, okay. So, so in the, I'm just going to tell you a little bit of um, just a little background. In the 18th century, there were two major centers of Jewish education in Eastern Europe. Okay. There was the city of Vilna, which was in Lithuania, where the brilliant Vilna Goen had lived. Um, and he specialized in the study of Tal Talmud and Jewish law. And the other center was in Mizrich, which is actually in Ukraine. And it was headed by the Magad of Mizrich, who was the disciple, the student of the Baal Shem Tov. In Mizrich, a great focus was placed on prayer and the study of mysticism, like the Kabbalah. And Rabbi Schneir Zalman um, was a student. And he later became um, the Alter Rebbe, the Baal Hatanya. He wrote like the seminal work of all Chabad Hasidic thought. And um, he was a young scholar at the time, and he was undecided as to where he should study. And ultimately, and he was really closer to Lithuania, and it, his parents were from that area, and it would have made sense for him to go to Lithuan the Lithuanian way of studying. But ultimately, he decided to go learn in Mez Mezrich. And years later, he told the reason for his decision was he said, to study, I, I somewhat knew how to. Now, between you and me, that's his modesty. I somewhat, he knew a lot how to study. He said, but about prayer, I knew very little. So I went to Ms. Rich. So if any of us in this class feel we know a little bit about prayer, when the Balatanya, when the Alter Rebbe started out, he really knew very little about prayer. So we're, we're in good company. There, um, there was a phrase that Alice is God, everything is God's. And God is Alice and God is everything or everywhere. Is yeah. that what define those two schools of thought? Or am I making that up? <laughs> God and God is Alice. I don't, you know, I don't know if that would. Um, I'm trying to think how that. I mean, it, it is kind of amazing that this is the exact part of the world that's now under siege. And these are where the seeds of prayer and spirituality yes. and Kabbalah and Hasidism Yes, Ukraine is just is is up and down. Ukraine is our our kfarim, our our burial plots of so many Hasidim. Uman is in Ukraine. That's where till today thousands of people um, go to pray. So it's it is very it is very fascinating that we are learning about prayer in this time, and we need prayer. And this is like the region of the world. I don't you know what what the meaning is in all this. I don't know. Okay, so um, so. In exercise 5.1, which is right here, okay. Okay, so thoughts on prayer. Exercise 5.1, why do you pray? So just have a look at this and see maybe if you wanna share some like some some thoughts, if, if, if it's provoking anything for you. Um, Sarah, you wanna read the different, the, different um, li the list? Sure, why do you pray? To seek help? from God during a trying time, to seek solace in God's company when experiencing loneliness, to seek clarity and understanding amidst confusion or lack of confidence, to express fear or anguish when faced with troubling circumstances, to keep a loved one in mind while they experience difficulties, to express gratitude for something God has done for you, to express wonder at the vastness, complexity, or beauty of God's world, to rise above the chaotic grind of life and find peace and calm. To rise above the shallowness of the mundane and discover spiritual meaning or to tap into and nourish your spiritual side. Okay. So um, 
I'll just keep this up here for a minute. And does anyone want to share anything in regards to some, maybe an idea that's popped into your head based on what's, what's written here, some of these ideas? When, <clears throat> it's Anastasia, um, when I cannot find some answers in my life, I'm praying to God just to give me a, um, the understanding of what is uh, happening and to make the best decision. So you would say to seek clarity and understanding amidst confusion or lack of confidence? Uh, not confidence. It's more about like, you know, when this situation is really difficult and you cannot find the solution like, or to understand who is right, who is wrong. Mm -hmm. um, I'm praying to God uh, to give me understanding what's going on. It's beautiful. Anyone else have anything to share? Okay, so um, for all the reasons we discussed um, to connect, to find answers, to set a time during the day, we um, to gain clarity, to ground ourselves. And this is all the reasons that we pray. And the main thing is like everything else in Judaism is God asks us to pray. And just like he asks us to do any of the other 613 mitzvahs, 12, right? Shabbat, kosher, mezuzah, challah. This is one of the mitzvahs. And this, so what's so striking is this tells us something about Hashem because he's telling us this is what he wants from us. He wants us to tell him how we would like to improve our life. So whether it is emotional well-being, financial well-being, let him know about a friend, let him know that we're praying, let him know that we're confused. God is telling us, um, you know, I'm open to crit criticism. I'm open for improvement. Tell me, tell me what, tell me what I can do better. And this is Hashem who's concerned about us and who's worried about us, right? And and Hashem is like opening himself up vulnerably and saying, yeah, I want to hear from you. I don't know how many of you get peer reviewed or are an educator or are, do something where you're like every day telling everyone in your office, yeah, yeah, just give me feedback. Like that's, that's kind of hard, right? Sometimes, sometimes we're open to feedback, but are we constantly open to feedback? And especially when we think we're doing a really good job, we, we don't like, you know, I don't really want to hear from everyone right now. Like when you took your kid on a vacation or you, you, you took a family trip, you don't, you're not sending, giving out cards. Like, how can I improve on, on, on taking you on a family? You're like, we did this be happy. Right. So Hashem is modeling for us that, you know, he's perfect and he knows what we need and he knows what's best for us, best for us. Yet he's still asking us to let him know what we need or how he can better take care of us. Even, and even if I don't need anything, right. There's still many, many reasons to pray and I could st still fulfill his will. Um, you know, with connecting and, um, and setting my intention. So we have so many opportunities to enhance our life through prayer. Um, so how does this mitzvah compare to the other 612 mitzvahs? So um, think of this analogy, okay? There's a couple, a man and a woman, and they are having a really rough patch in their relationship. They are fighting, they are arguing, and they come to a therapist and the therapist says to them, I want you guys to spend a week 
go away together. I want you guys to spend a week without your cell phones, without your jobs, without the pressure. If you have children without the children, if you have jobs without the jobs, whatever it is you're without, I want you guys to spend time together and, um, and then come back to me. So the couple arranges to take time off. They get everything that they need settled that they would normally take care of, whether it's children, whether it's um, their jobs, whatever they need, they really make it happen. And they get this time together and they're, they're focused on each other. And maybe they begin to laugh at something or they look at each other differently or they're just having time to talk. And then they, they realize they actually enjoy each other, right? So they come back to the therapist and the therapist immediately says, I can see something shifted, right? So they're, nothing changed, like they, they didn't solve anything, but because they took that time to go back to their original relationship and they could see like, where did that spark start? Where did we come from at the very beginning? They moved away the noise. They moved away. Um, they moved away from the chaos that was surrounding them and they went back to, okay, why did we like each other? Because, you know, what happens is, um, in the beginning of a relationship, right? There's less problems. There's a lot of sparks flying and that kind of covers up real life, but you don't have to deal with real life. So you're not dealing with real life. And then the relationship moves from you and I, and all this discussion, and it goes, and it becomes about the jobs, the kids, the dog, the house, everything around us, life, right? So, but sometimes we have to reclaim us, right? And prayer is this prayer is reclaiming every single day, taking that time to reclaim this relationship. Like where did we start off with me and Hashem? Um, and with other mitzvot, you're accomplishing something very tangible. So, right. Like when you are eating kosher, like you are actively pursuing that kosher food. If you're keeping Shabbat, if you're putting up a mezuzah, if you're making challah, you're actively pursuing a mitzvah. There is an accomplishment through it. But prayer is um, relationship building. So it's kind of like that. What, what's so nuanced and difficult to keep that relationship going is you have to kind of push the doing, working, thinking aside. And you have to say, like, this is the spark. This is how we started. This is where we are foundation. So it's very foundational prayer. It's not so much about like being able to say, oh, this felt so good. I did it. It's, it's part of my grandparents did this. Like we don't necessarily get to see how relationships, you know, we could see the, how relationships are built in terms of what people do for each other. And, and we can, obviously we can learn from that, but this is very internal prayer. It's not necessarily something everybody knows about you. And it's not something you can show off to the world, unless you're one of those, like, you know, you know, shuckling stuff, but that's not what we're talking about. Like every day you are, you're, it, it's very much internal. It's relationship building. So, um, so it's, it's the concentration to be with God and without anyone else. So that, 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 I think that's, that kind of correlates to the analogy of being together in a relationship. Okay. Anyone have any thoughts or comments about just kind of the background of prayer? Um, why we do it, um, how we do it. Because so many rules about prayer. Yeah, we're not going to get into this. Yeah, we're not. We're not going to get into that. Um, okay. So, um, 
So if you're, if you're going to have a meaningful prayer experience, what belief would, you know, if I'm going to say, I, I'm starting to pray Moda'ani every day. Okay. I decided based on this class, I want to have a relationship with God. It's a mitzvah. I'm looking for more mitzvahs. I want to create a foundation. I want to set my day. I want to be able to, um, um, connect with Hashem. I want to set a foundation for my day. I feel like it's, it's very beneficial both for me personally. I'm like a haphazard person. I wake up in the morning. I scroll through my phone. This seems like so much more, um, mindful. So what, what belief is it based on that you would even do that? And what belief would motivate you to do, to do it more? So what, what belief is this all based on? What do you have to be believing? From from studying, you know, if you're if you're studying, then you're gonna learn all that. That uh, um, you know, the, the different prayers you you have to say, but also that it will connect you with uh, God. And instead of uh, waking up and looking at your phone, and uh, you know, it's a different way to start the day and. Um, set you in the mood for the day. Right. But it's a different way to start the day and it sets the mood. But why would someone do this? What what would be the belief that would make somebody pray? What do you have to what, what's the it's a two-way relationship? And that's a very hard leap for some. That, that it, what? That it's a two-way relationship. That, okay, very good. That 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 it that Hashem wants us of me and that he actually cares, right? right? You would have to believe that Hashem cares. And that there's, there's this, this thing going on that Hashem wants to hear from me and that, and that he's actually going to respond maybe. Right. Okay. That's one. Anyone else want to tell me something that this would be fa- would be foundational to want to pray. Right. Belief that there's a God to whom to pray. Okay. Right. Foundational. I got to believe that somebody's listening if I'm going to pray. Right. I have to believe that prayer works. Um, I have to believe in Hashem that he wants this from me, that he could change things, that God might listen. I, I, I'm going to have to believe that he might listen, right? That he asked for it. So what we learn, what, what, our, what our sages teach us is that actually that prayer is, is God's food, right? Because the sacrifice was given up to Hashem. Today, instead of sacrifice, we pray. And this is the same satisfaction that I will get from a good meal. And I know many of us here are great cooks. Nina, I'm looking at you, right? Um, I mean, I know that about you. We're, we love to put food together that's beautiful. This is Hashem's satisfaction in our prayer. Um, so my lowest self might tell me Hashem doesn't care. It's not important. But, you know, um, eh, I can get by my day. I can do other things. But if I'm listening, if, I, if I'm quiet myself and, I'm, and, I, and now I have some kind of background and I know this is what Hashem wants for me, then I can really listen and say, you know, let me find out more about this because this is one thing I'm not tapping into about prayer, right? And then what we're going to learn further is that actually the basis for all the prayer we know today came from a woman. It came from Chana. So how much more so prayer... Now, I'm not going to really get into Adira mentioned rules. I'm not going to get into like women's prayer and minion and all that. Um, I, I don't, it's not really like this is more of a, a spiritually inclined class, holistic than like the nitty gritty. But, um, but at the same time, we have, a big, um, we, we have a big part in what prayer looks like today from 
are from Hana, who, and we'll talk about that in a minute. Okay, so I'm gonna show now um, a video of, um, of the Shmona Esrei, okay? The history of prayer through the Shmona Esrei. And let me just get that one second. Um, let's see, share, let's see. But I wanna share something else. So um, wait. Uh, okay, let's see if this works. Obviously, y'all tell me. Is that, do you see it? Do you see the video? Do you see the video, everyone? No? Oh, resume share. No. Okay, okay. No, I don't want a video. I don't want to share this. Wait, do you, um, why isn't it giving me this to share? Mm. Okay, no, resume share, share screen. Wait, okay, no, no, I got it, got it, got it. You need to share sound. Where is it? At the very bottom. Yes, I can see that. Can you hear it? Do you hear it? Yes, I can. Formally, we pray three times a day morning, afternoon, and evening. The climax of each of these formal prayers is called the Amida, which means standing. We recite this prayer while standing with feet together in utmost respect and humility, for it is a direct dialogue with God, the ultimate King. It is also called Shamona Esrei, which means 18, because it originated as a series of 18 blessings, although a 19th was added later. When and why was the Amida formulated? Well, let's step back a bit. Our patriarchs were masters of prayer, and at Sinai, God instructed us to pray to him. But in the 4th century BCE, the Jews were exiled from the land of Israel to Babylon, Persia, Greece, and elsewhere. Their children developed blended dialects, struggled to pray fluently in any tongue, and the art of Jewish prayer was in peril. After a few decades of exile, Ezra the scribe led the Jewish return to the Holy Land. He enlisted 120 prophets and sages to formulate a single standard text for all Jews for all times. The inspired result? The Amida. Here's an overview of the 19 blessings of the Amida. 1. God's power. We praise God for his awesome greatness, power, kindness and protection. 2. Life. We praise God for life and livelihood, for healing, for rainfall that supports life, and for his promise to restore the dead to life in the ultimate era of perfected life. 3. Holiness. We praise God for his transcendent holiness and for the holy angels that proclaim his holiness together with us daily. 4. Insight. We ask God to grant us wisdom, insight, and perceptive understanding. 5. Repentance. We ask God for inspiration and inner strength to return to Him and His Torah wholeheartedly. 6. Pardon. God is good. He forgives repeatedly. We ask Him to forgive our transgressions. 7. Rescue. We ask God, our mighty Redeemer, to rescue us from suffering, troubles, and enemies. 8. 
healing. We ask God to completely cure all our wounds and heal our every illness. 9. Support. We ask God to bless the earth with plentiful produce and to provide us with livelihood and sustenance. 10. In gathering. We ask God to gather all Jews to our promised homeland, the land of Israel. 11. Justice. We ask God to remove the agony of corruption and injustice and to restore the supremely honest and righteous Sanhedrin, the Supreme Court of Torah Law. 12. Enemies. We ask God to remove evil foes who seek our harm and to free the world from evil. 13. Security. We ask God to act mercifully with all segments of the Jewish people. 14. Jerusalem. We ask God to speedily rebuild Jerusalem as the eternal seat of his divine presence and of the messianic dynasty. 15. The Messiah. We ask God to empower the Messiah, a descendant of King David, to deliver God's redemption. 16. Acceptance. We ask God to accept our prayers with compassion. 17. Holy Temple. We ask God to accept our current worship favorably, to let us witness his return to the Jerusalem Temple and to restore our worship there. 18. Gratitude. We offer a powerful, beautiful thank you for our lives, for daily miracles, constant wonders, and God's unending kindness. 19. Peace. We ask God for goodness, righteousness, blessings, unity, spiritual illumination, and most critically, for peace. The Amida comes in several forms. We have described the weekday Amida, but there are different versions for Shabbat and other special dates. The Amida does not replace personal or spontaneous prayer. Rather, it is a platform to build on. It offers words of spiritual gold, but the concentration, emotion, and sincerity must be ours. We added a new one. All right. Okay. So that's where kind of our prayer, and then from that, more prayers evolved. And um, that is the basis of our prayer, the Amida, which is said three times a day. Shachrit, Mincha, and Mariv. Okay, and on Yom Kippur, we say it four times. Okay, so um, okay, so let's go to figure. Okay, let me go to screen share again. Uh, and let's go to, oh man, I didn't lose that. Um, I didn't lose the, the text. No, 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 no. I know, but I, I don't know what I did with the notebook that was here. No, no, okay, Hatira. Um, I just need to see what I did with the RCS book. No. Uh, Oh, but I think I X'd it out and then I don't know where he keeps it on his, yeah, okay. 
Um, one, sorry, one second. I'm looking for the book, unless it's in PDF. Oh, here it is. Okay, I got it. Yeah. I found it. I mean, she asks, well, what? We'll open the share thing. Okay. All right. I'm going to try this, see if I can share it now because I, oh, I got it. Ha, ha, I'm so proud of myself. Okay. <laughs> you see it? Okay, so do you guys see yes. what I have? Okay, so text one, um, Susan, you want to read text one. This is from the book of Shmuel. And this, um, the book of Shmuel relates the history of the Jewish people during the lifetime of the prophet Samuel and the reigns of the first Jewish king, Saul and David in the ninth and 10th centuries BCE. Samuel wrote the depictions of the events in his lifetime, and the book was completed by the prophets Gud and Nathan. The book has been artificially divided into Samuel 1 and Samuel 2, but is essentially one book. Okay, so text one. Susan, you want to read text one? Susan there? Yeah. Okay, go ahead. It was a man named Elkanah from Ramate M. Sophie in the hill country. <laughs> Ephraim. He had two wives, one named Hannah and the other Penina. Penina had children, but Hannah was childless. Hannah was an anguished soul. She prayed to God and wept profusely. She vowed, God, if you pay attention to your servant's misery and remember me, if you do not forget your servant, but give me, give her a son, I will dedicate him to God all the days of his life. Hannah prayed in her heart, only her lips moved, but her voice was silent. Okay, so, um, so this is one example we have of prayer from the Torah. Um, does anybody wanna tell me what sticks out to you? What were her beliefs and what can we learn from Hannah? I was... Um unfortunately experienced um, three miscarriages in a row and was one of those women who really literally had to leave the sanctuary when the story of Hannah came up in the high holiday services. So it's a story with great resonance for me. Plus the, um, the first son I had was named Samuel. The second one is Gabriel, but it's a very resonant story for me. And the kind of observable phrase women in anguish that is misconstrued as craziness but is really prayer one second you know what i hear is that am i singing is anyone here singing in the background okay sorry nina what were you yeah, saying? so all i'm saying is um the um alleged craziness of a woman in anguish hana right was misconstrued as craziness, but it really was prayer from the depth of the soul. So the story has really always touched me a lot on a personal level. Um, honestly, there was a sisterhood of two or three women over the years who hid out with me when that passage came up in the high holiday liturgy because it was painful. Wow, that's beautiful. Um, um, and thank God. Um, at the age of 40, I had my second child. He's turning 30. Um, I'm turning 70. OMG. But it's wow. um, an amazing, amazing story, right? 
It is an amazing story. And thank you for sharing that. And um, it's not only resonant, but it was also, you know, hard for you to hear, I you know, how, how it was so real, the story. It's so powerful that it was, Very real. was yes. hard for you to hear. So, um, so I guess that we had, we learned from, from Hannah that it's um, her vulnerability and um, her, her just, you know, her non-complacency. She's just not going to accept the status quo. She believes that something can change. She, she's going to tell Hashem that this is what you gave me, but this is not what I want. And I want something different and I want something more. Um, she lets God in, right? She doesn't just turn her cheek and say, huh, is what it is. No, she says, I am going to take this, take this up with you. And she promises Shmuel to God, but um, he grants her promise and she changes the trajectory of not only her life, but of all of the Jewish people's life, because Sam um, Shmuel ends up being a great prophet who helps the Jews, um, you know, navigate those really hoary times that they are living in. Um, okay. So the next prayer we're going to um, kind of juxtapose against this is a prayer by, um, okay. So then we'll just read text two. Rabbi Hamuna from the Babylonian Talmud exclaims, so many significant rules of prayer can be derived from these verses regarding the, regarding the prayer of Hannah. So we learn that we are quiet when we pray. We learn that um, we're not drunk when we pray because she was accused of being drunk and she was not drunk. Um, we we learn that you... Um, that you can ask for whatever it is that you want. There's just so many, so many different things that we learn. But like I said, we're not gonna, um, we're not gonna necessarily talk about them right now. Um, so, but we could just go to Figure Five One. Um, description of Hannah's prayer: Hannah was an anguished soul. Prayer should be approached with a solemn mindset. So, come to prayer like seriously. Hannah prayed in her heart. Prayer requires heartfelt concentration. Only her lips moved. Prayer must be enunciated. So for prayer from a, from a, a tefillah that you're saying that is um, from a prayer book, you say with your lips. So you, it's not enough to read it in your head. Even to Hillim, we say it with our mouths. We don't just read it like we're reading a novel. Okay. But her voice was silent. The Amida, the principal prayer, should be recited in an undertone. It is read silently. Okay, so the next prayer we're going to read is a prayer of David's, and many of you will recognize it, but I just want to tell you a cute story first. Um, there's a, you know, I don't know, a, a fable or a tale or a, an urban legend that Pavarotti was singing um, a, a psalm by David, God is my shepherd, I lack nothing, and he was singing this, and he was, you know, just the way Pavarotti can sing it, and when he finished somebody was continuing and did it again. And it was an old woman who was a European Holocaust survivor. And when she was done, the entire place gave her a rousing applause and they stood up and they were clapping in tears and, and Pavarotti like stops and he says, and he walks up the aisle and he says, lady, ma madame, tell me, I never get this response when I sing um, um, the Lord, um, God is my shepherd. I lack, I lack nothing. I walk in the valley of the shadow of death. I fear no harm for you are with me. So the woman responds. She says, you know, you, you know, the composition, I know the composer. I don't know if you've ever heard that story. Okay. So, um, so 
here we have a Psalm by David and um, Joy. Do you want to read it, Dr. Maxey? Sure. A Psalm by David. God is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He lies me down in green meadows. He leads me beside still waters. He calms my soul. He leads me upon upright paths to show his care. Even when I walk in the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no harm for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. I am confident that you will set yet set a laden table before me and full view of my enemies. You have anointed my head with oil, my cup overflows. May only goodness and kindness pursue me all the days of my life. May I sit in the house of God for the length of my days. Thank you. So this is a prayer that is very, is kind of universal at this point. Um, Right. You've, you've heard it say, you've heard it said, you know, in Jewish um, environments and non-Jewish environments, I, I know this prayer has gone far and wide. So let's take a moment to reflect on these two prayers and listen to what they tell us about prayer. Can anyone think of like the stark differences or the similarities in these two prayers? Does anyone want to um, propose that? So anyone? You don't have to raise your hand. You can Between talk. What? Between Chana and David. So um, Chana is a request for something, right? And David is not. David is just stating, right? Chana prayed from a place of desperation and anguish, and David prayed from a place of tranquility and trust. Chana, um, I think, perceives God as distant, and David perceives God as near. And really, their prayers are quite different from each other. Yet, they're quite the same, right? They're both pure expressions of the heart, personal conversations with God. Hannah prayed her way from her heart with her own words. According to her circumstances, David prayed his way with his own heart, with his own words, according to his circumstances, right? They both viewed prayer as a time to open up to God, a time to share with him their deepest thoughts and feelings, their highs and lows, their thanks and requests. This demonstrate that at its core, prayer is deeply personal and profoundly individualistic. No two people pray alike. We each have our own way of expressing ourselves, both to others and to Hashem. Prayer isn't only about the prayer book, the synagogue prayer times, the rituals, you know, all those things. I mean, don't get me wrong. We do pray from a prayer book, right? Ultimately, though, I bring myself to prayer and it's going to look different how I bring myself is going to look different for everybody. <clears throat> so these are two historic prayers, Hannah's to bear a child. The second is David HaMelech, King David. While they don't look anything alike, they're both expressions of the heart, intensely personal conversations with God, and no two people pray alike, but we all bring ourselves to prayer. Um, I just wanted to um, kind of for a minute talk about... Um, um, you know, it was, it was, I, it was occurring to me that we, the, the Shemona Esrei, we say it three times a day, every single day. And I don't know if anyone's children, or if they know any young kids that say, like, you'll say to them, you need to brush your teeth. Oh, I brushed them yesterday. And I, what I want to respond is, but I fed you yesterday. Was that enough? You know? So, um, <laughs> there, there is that, that kind of mindset, like, oh, I did it once I did it forever, but the same way we want to be nourished, we want to be loved, we want to have our creature comforts every single day, 
correct? One day is not enough. We don't check it off a list to say, I've showered this week, done, right? We want to shower every single day, maybe even more than once a day. So it's the same thing with prayer. Hashem is asking for us to convene with him, to meet with him more than once. Okay. Um, basic level is God is intervening and his ear is up against my mouth. I believe you are leading me. Um, and you know, this is, this is what prayer is about. Okay. So, um, I just, um, I, I, I learned something this week and this was about kind of meditation, but, um, you know, a stool has three legs, right? There's the body of the leg of the stool. There's the mind and there's the belief. And you really cannot have a stool without three legs. One will be, one will be wobbly. So when you take, we have to take care of our bodies, right? We, we eat healthy, we exercise, we, um, we do all those things to take care of our bodies. We have to take care of our minds. We study, we learn, we read, we, we're, we, we, you know, watch movies, whatever it is that we're, we're stimulating our minds with. And then there's belief. And I think that prayer goes under the, um, the, the, the leg of belief, because, um, if we, if we are taking, we, we really can't have one thing and cut out the other, we have a wobbly stool. So we could be taking care of our bodies all we want and taking care of our minds all we want. But if we're anxiety ridden and we're panicking, then are our bodies really taken care of? No, because you'll see, it's going to come out in so many different ways, bad backs, headaches, stress, itchiness, right? So we need to, in order to exist holy, W-H-O-L-Y, holy in this world, we really, um, we mind those three parts of ourselves, our mind, our body, and our soul, which is uh, I'm expressing in the terms of belief here, like really honing into what it is that's going to get us to have different thoughts and different thought patterns and to think about things in a different way. So um, I'm just going to see, um, there's another text just to go back to the Shemona Esrei one, one more time to kind of um, sum it up. What we do in the um, Okay, let's see. Um, what was that? Okay, so um, sorry, this thing. What's up, Adira? Um, you okay. said that it was to ask Hashem of certain things. Yeah. And to change certain things, but I was wondering, Hashem's already got it planned out. Hashem's already written the script. What is? I mean, sometimes I hate to be the bad guy here, but. Sometimes I wonder if we're just fooling ourselves. Okay, so the question at the on the table is, are we fooling ourselves? Because Hashem has it planned out. So um, maybe, so the fact is that Hashem asks us to daven. So maybe there is like, you know, you walk in and there's the room full of things that you can see. And then maybe other things are behind doors and they're not accessible. They're They're available to you, right? But Hashem's like, I don't know if you need this. Let's find out if you need it, right? I don't know if Hannah needed a child. Maybe Hannah was going to be perfectly happy without a child. And Hannah's like, no, 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 no. Open that door. I want what's behind that door, right? So, you know, it, it, it kind of has to go hand in hand with knowing that Hashem does give us what we want, but Hashem wants us to ask. Hashem wants to hear from us. Hashem doesn't, I, I mean, I think it's the same thing with our children or with people that we work with or, or people in relationships with. We don't just put it out on the table. We want to know that our effort is, is, is wanted. So 
you know, we might write a report or, or write an essay for, for a, and then, and then if nobody asks you to do better, you're like, okay, this is all you wanted from me. I'm not, I'm not giving you anymore. And then someone might be like, come on, you could do better than this. And you're like, oh, I was waiting for you to ask. Right. Like we know the satisfaction in giving of ourselves when it's really wanted or needed. Right. Because otherwise we, we don't bring our best selves. So I think that, that, um, push and pull is really integral to finding meaning in our lives. Okay, so just the summary of Amida's blessings, we have praise, we have requests, and then we have gratitude. So it's kind of sandwiched that way. So we are covering the gamut of what we want to talk to Hashem about. Um, and then, by the way, if any of you want to see all the texts, please just ask Rabbi Ari, he can email this to you. Um, okay, here's one other important thing. This is again about, this is from the Rabbi Shneer Zaman of Liadi, he's the one who went to Mezhebush to learn how to pray. And he says, while, um, um, let's see, Joy, you want, um, not Joy, um, Jolie, do you want to read this? Are you there? Oh, you got to unmute yourself again. Sorry. Uh, while reciting any of the intermediate blessings, we may add a request that echoes that particular blessings theme. For example, if we wish to pray for a sick person, we may ask God to have mercy on that individual during the Rafainu uh, healing. Rafainu, I, 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 transliteration is always hard for me to read. <laughs> right, healing blessing. I, I read the Hebrew much better. So anyway, if we are in need of a livelihood, we may insert such a request into the blessing for material prosperity. However, in the blessing Shomea Tefillah, Blessed are you who listens to prayers. We may ask for any of our needs for this blessing includes all requests. Okay. So there are places in the, um, the text where you can insert, you know, names or, or different requests, but specifically in the Shomea Tefillah is when you would um, say your specific requests at the end of that, you might ask for whatever it is very specifically that you want. Um, okay. Then text 10 is one more prayer. And this is part of the morning prayers. And what we're going to do is we're going to read this prayer and then we're going to do a meditation on this prayer. And then, um, and then, you know, we'll, we'll be open to any questions. I have one more thing to read to you guys, but um, that's really the, the gist of our class. Okay. So um, this is part of the morning prayer. So there's the Asher Yatsar, which is the prayer. And we say in the morning, but also we say it after you go to the bathroom and it talks about, if things that are open would be closed or if parts of our body that are supposed to be closed would be open, it would not be good, right? It would not be good for us if we didn't have everything running exactly how it was supposed to. And that's the Asher Yatsar. And that, um, that is said every time you go to the restroom and, um, and that's, you know, something you could probably download on your phone, etc. Um, okay. So this is the Okaina Shama and this is similar, you know, to Moda'ani in vain. It's said in the morning, but it's a little bit, um, little bit deeper. So um, go ahead and read this. Um, who's here? Donna, do you want to read this? My God? You have to unmute yourself. It's, it's page um, 131. Donna, are you able to do it? There you go. Can't hear you. No. 
We don't have, we can't hear you, Donna. Okay, Charna, you wanna say it? Do you wanna read it? Okay. <clears throat> okay, my God, the soul you have placed within me is pure. You created it, you formed it, you have breathed it within me and you preserve it within me. Ultimately, you will take it from me and restore it to me in the time to come. As long as the soul is within me, I thankfully acknowledge you, God, my God, and God of my ancestors, master of all works, Lord of all souls. Blessed are you, God, who restores souls to lifeless bodies. Okay, so this prayer in the morning, is, a, is it a gratitude or is it a request, right? Um, we're requesting that my soul will do its job, right? It will have the power, it will have the confidence. I need to forge ahead. And um, so it's, it's, it's a prayer of request. Like, you know, we're thanking God for our soul. And we're also asking that our souls kind of, um, you know, we're, we're recognizing our souls because we really need our soul to do its job. So within this like prayer, within this gratitude, there's kind of a request I see. So we're going to do a meditation on this. Let's see. Um, new share. Okay. Um, okay. Okay. So everybody, you know, put your feet on the ground, close your eyes, do what you would like when you meditate. Cause this is going to be a full on meditation for six minutes. Everyone got this deep breath in. So with Rabbi label wolf, he is a, um, some of you might be familiar with his meditation meditations. Okay. Nope. That's not it. Nope. Nope. Wrong one. Sorry. Oh no, it is it. Do you guys, can you hear? Yes, we can hear. Prayer is a time where we exercise the spiritual martial art of being able to tame our animalistic self. And we'll focus on this particular discipline of taking the duality within and unifying it. Let us prepare for the meditation component by gently closing your eyes and focusing on your breath just becoming aware of the breath entering your nostrils and exiting from your nostrils, trying to breathe through the nose. Become aware of cooler air entering your nostrils and warmer air exiting and focus for a moment on that temperature differential. Become aware of the breath entering the nostrils and then coursing its way down to the cavity of the lungs feeling the air enter and spread.
And now shift your focus to your blood flow and become aware of the blood coursing throughout the body, carrying nutrients and goodness, animating your physical body. Focus on your brain and recognize and sense the flow of instructions from the brain to different parts of the body, a communication system down to the end of your toes. Trace it with your mind, the proliferation of pathways. Now become aware just above your head, a point at which the flow of divine energy enters your head and spreads throughout your body. See it as a white light, a white light, narrow beam entering from the top of your head down through your neck and the light dispersing and spreading throughout your body. Divine light, the neshama, the soul. And as you observe that white light of goodness spreading through your body, become aware of an obstacle, a gateway, somewhere that blocks the pathway of that divine light. Let's call that blockage the Nefesh Bahamis, an animalistic, self-centered, ego-oriented part of self that tries to block the flow of white goodness, which is the nature of creation, and allow the white light to dominate, overcome it, allowing the whiteness to paint the blockage and make it disappear so that you can feel good, part of the divine, and recognize the essential nature of who you are. Tahirahi, complete purity. Focus again on your breath now. Breath entering your nostrils, cooler air entering, warmer air exiting. Begin moving your fingers and your toes right here in the room. Move your fingers, move your toes, and when you're ready, Gently open your eyes, coming all the way back.
That's our meditation for this session. Okay. Want anyone enjoy that? If you do enjoy, you, say- you can here's a WhatsApp that you can send your phone number and you have a daily text along oh. with a meditation. Oh, did, did you hear what Sandrine just said? Um, there's a WhatsApp number. You can join a daily meditation with Rabbi L- um, Label Wolf through WhatsApp. Do you, do you want to... I think I had to email. Okay, we'll we'll try to get that for yes, you. Um, if you could put it in the comments, if you join the Zoom. Um, okay, anybody, um, any questions or comments on um, prayer or meditation? Otherwise, I have one last thing to read to you all. To all you It's really good. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Um, so can we get those videos? Um, do we need to go to Rabbi Ari? Or? Yeah, I'm going to ask Rabbi Ari to send it out, um, the email. Can you send it to Rabbi Ari and me, the number? The number. To join. Do you have WhatsApp? M- me do. I do. Yeah, okay. We'll get it through. Yeah, it's a you join a WhatsApp. Um, okay. Okay. So this is from a colleague of mine who is also teaching this RCS class, okay? This is what she wrote today. Can you hear me? The airport is a big noisy place. Please teach me how to pray. I was just asked this by a pilot. It's at 5 a.m. on the shuttle at the Pittsburgh International Airport. I am taking the red eye from PGH this morning and the security line is hectic. I opened the app and began my morning with focus and intention and began praying chapters of Tehillim for Ukraine and for healing on the train that connects the terminals. Are you reading Hebrew? Came a tall voice over my shoulder. Yes, I am. I am praying. The next 15 minutes, we spoke about prayer, God, and connection. He grew up as the son of a Baptist minister and has a Jewish grandma and he married a Jew and has been fascinated that I was praying outside a synagogue and reading Hebrew, totally immersed and moving my lips. His dad learned and taught him some Hebrew words, and he knew the blessings of a mosi off by heart. So you can pray anywhere at any time and God will listen. That's exactly it. I went on to teach him and the shuttle of people listening all about last night's RCS class on prayer and how prayer is a connection, a, a beloved relationship, a coffee date with God. I told him about how to say the traveling prayer and opened up the prayer and explained the words to him. He asked me to teach him to pray so he could say the traveler's prayer before he takes off on the flight this morning. He said he always whispers his own prayer to God, but he wished he had the right words to express himself. This is exactly what I taught at my class. The traditional prayer book has been written by the wisest sages because that is the formula needed to open God's gates, like a perfectly written Hallmark card that we add our own message to the bottom of the card. We use the traditional text and then add our special prayers from our heart. We exchange prayers and which and wished him a safe flight. Last night, I was inspired after teaching a prayer class. This morning, I seized the day with prayers and can see the prayers already take flight. Here's a picture of my pilot friend off to catch his flight. There's her pilot friend. It's my friend. Okay, so um, so here's the the phone number if anyone wants to join. What? What? 
I could, okay, you know what? I'll put it in the chat because you'll probably all be able to pick it up in the chat easier. Okay, so it's plus because it's an Australian, where do I find plus on here? Plus six, one, four, seven, three, nine, five, six, three, nine, eight. Enter. Um, did I do it? Okay. One, six, one, four, six, one, four, seven, three, nine. Okay. So that is the number to mm -hmm. sign up. Um, Rebel label. Okay. And you just, you, you text them and you say you want to be added to his daily meditation, prayer meditation. Okay. Any questions? Comments? Well, it, it seems that this has come up more like in driving, but say I'm, I'm driving through a real stressful place or I feel like I just avoided an accident and it doesn't happen that much. But what do you, and I guess that would be in the realm of being grateful um, that something didn't happen. Right. Um, what do you say? I mean, I say Baruch Hashem. Baruch I, mean, Hashem. I, I don't know what else to say. Baruch um, Hashem is, a, we, we learned that it's a bracha, it's a prayer. And then mm -hmm. maybe you just, you know, you take upon yourself. Like when I get home, I'll say a Psalm of, you know, a parak of Tehillim or I'll, or I'll say the Shema tonight, or in the morning I'll say Moda'ani. You know, we could just start with, with small things. You start with the Shema once a day, because really the Shema is said three or four times a day, the Moda'ani in the morning, the Shemona Esrei once a day or twice a day. Ashray, um, there's just, there's different, you can just build upon it. And, you know, you start with one and it really becomes for me, if I'm having a very hectic morning and then it's like 11 o'clock and like my heart's beating fast as if I had like too much caffeine, mm -hmm. if I pause for a minute, I'm like, you know, I didn't pray today. And usually like my body tells me already that I didn't pray and it cannot regulate itself until I have prayed. Like it's very, very much, um, a part of my a part of what I need to do for myself every day. And I'm sure some people feel like this, if they haven't exercised and, or if they haven't had their coffee or if they haven't, you know, done whatever ritual, but prayer is really, um, it's very grounding. Okay. I this thing where before I go to work or as soon as I get to work, I say this one blessing because I listen to like to Shirim online, like on my phone, and I'm afraid that I might be listening to these Torah Shirim in vain if I don't say this blessing. Like, oh, I'll divrei Torah. True. I don't know. What so Adira is saying that she says the blessing for studying Torah, so that if she's listening to a podcast on Torah, she's um, said the blessing for Torah. Otherwise, it might be in vain. Yeah, I wouldn't worry about that, the negative part of it so much. But um, so the Moda'ani is a great thing to um, Moda'ani meditation in the morning, and you can do it just the way he did it. You wake up in the morning and you you look at the Moda'ani and you look at what the words say and you meditate on the words and eventually you know them by heart and you just, you know, you, you sit there before you get out of bed, before you scroll on the phone, and then you could do, and then you could start and you could do the Moda'ani in your bed. Um, what did, what did my friend call it? A meditation. Um, and then you could, you know, at night you could do the Shema meditation 
at day, the morning, every morning you could do the Shema and then you can have the, the hand washing next to your bed and then you can wash your hands. So that's already two prayers you've started your morning off with. Right there before you've gotten out of bed even. All right, if no more questions, comments, I'm gonna wish you all a good night. And I'm gonna go and do my meditation. <laughs> Lila Tove, thank you so much. Thank you. Take care. Good night. Good night. Lila Tove. Lila Tove. Lila Tove. Lila Tove.